Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. As you may know, Junior to Senior has a private Slack community that is a companion to the show. So every week I ask questions related to what my engineering managers are seeing on their teams. I think of these questions kind of like brain exercises for bringing out the senior mindset. But in addition to that, members ask me questions every month during a Q&A. So today I'm going to cover three of the questions that I have received that fall into some, some common themes that people deal with uh, related to career and hiring. So the first question uh, has uh, three variants of its own, and it is something like, is it a problem if your personal GitHub is not showing a lot of activity, or is it okay to have a basic portfolio site that has the basics, or how can you show that you are capable? How can you stand out from other people? So the first two um, are much more about what is expected of a engineer when a hiring manager is, is looking at them or potentially a recruiter. I think a lot of us have the expectation that if an engineer is you know looking, then they should have a, a GitHub and that ideally really demonstrate their, their skills or related that there should be some sort of portfolio site that uh, also demonstrates what they're, what they're capable of. Uh, so talking about GitHub first, is it a problem if your personal GitHub doesn't show a lot of activity? I think the answer is no, it's not necessarily a problem. I don't think it is expected that you are working on open source or open source projects. I think that's not necessarily a big deal. Similarly, can you just have a basic portfolio site? I would say that's actually more of a problem, right? You don't need a GitHub uh, that shows a lot of activity, but when a hiring manager is looking at you, you want them to get as good of an idea of what to expect on uh, if you were on the job as possible, right? You don't want to be a black box. Uh, you you want to have as clear and transparent packaging, so to speak, as possible. Um, and that, uh, you know, I've heard it referred to as like proof of work. You want to make the hiring manager confident that they know what they're getting. So if you have projects on there that really show that you are are capable of building things, capable of maintaining them, uh, in some cases maybe capable of writing tests, capable of writing documentation, capable of creating very clear and modular pull requests. These are things that the engineering my, uh, engineering manager might be looking for. And if you have it on display, they don't need to wonder if you're capable of it. They don't need to come up with uh, questions to try and ask you about it. They can just know that you you can handle it. I think things like that, like the like the documentation, the pull requests, the uh, uh, you know, in some cases, tests uh, are sometimes easier to see than say algorithm, you know, uh, knowledge of algorithms. But even still, it's something that can really save you a lot of time with a with a hiring manager because they won't really need to dig as hard. 
So a portfolio site is kind of the same thing, except you have more control over what you want them to see. GitHub's totally fine. It's pretty standardized, and so uh, they can probably see what they're looking for. But a portfolio site, uh, this kind of goes into that third variant of this question, which is how can you show that you are capable? How can you stand out from other people? Well, your portfolio site, you have complete control over it, and so it's kind of up to you. You can look around, see what other developers' sites look like, and you can go above and beyond, or you can go in a completely different direction. You can be as creative as you want and as distinctive and memorable as you want, and that's going to serve you really well. Uh, if you if you really just have something that looks like the basics and doesn't really show off any of your strengths or anything like that, and you just kind of blend in, well, there isn't going to be much of a reason for the hiring manager to want you over anyone else. And, and that's, that's ultimately not, not serving you. So to bring it all back, no, I don't think you absolutely need to be a contributor on GitHub. I think that certainly helps. But all of this taken together is your chance to control the narrative of what you can provide to a hiring manager and their company. And the more clearly you show the value that you can bring if somebody hires you, the better. And so I would strongly recommend thinking about the type of work that you want to be doing at a company and showing uh, that you can you can handle that and doing it in a way that is that is going to be important to a hiring manager. So if you're on a team, a lot of how teams work with pull requests and code reviews and documentation and tests and things like that, it would be really good to show that you're capable of that. Other companies, like they might be very into design and product and having engineers that can really focus on that and can really own uh, the experience and thinking about it from a user's point of view. And so if those are the types of companies that you are interested in, then you should be capable of making a more complete product type experience. So if you were to have a uh, somewhere in between would be if you created an open source library that other people were to use, well, make the packaging really impressive, right? So have a logo, have the examples be really clear, have really clear installation instructions, have the documentation uh, documenting the API in a way that really takes uh, the user's perspective and experience into account. Those things are going to go go a long, long way. So overall, uh, just Keep in mind that the most important thing is how the hiring manager sees you, and this is your chance to have a lot of control over a first impression and to really demonstrate what you are capable of and give them a lot of confidence that uh, if they were to hire you, that they, they they know what they would be they would be getting. Now, of course, it's not all about your technical ability and your competence. Uh, a lot of things, once you get into the interview, will be 
about your personality and your attitude and and whether or not you would be a good fit. But um, this is why your personal GitHub is important. This is why your portfolio is important. And this is all how you can show that you are capable and how you can stand out from other people. So moving on to the next question is, how do I provide value to a company if I do not currently know all the in-demand frameworks? So this is something that uh, is kind of a pretty pretty important topic to remember uh, and, to, and to think about. A lot of junior developers will really get preoccupied with whatever the latest thing to come out is. They will often uh, criticize any kind of technology or library or framework if it's old or it is not the newest thing. The reason why this thinking is a little bit dangerous is that a lot of companies don't actually care about how new or novel a framework is. What really matters to a lot of companies is the value that their product or service or platform is providing to their users. That value is ultimately what leads to revenue, which is how they can afford to pay engineers. So a lot of users are not going to stop using a product just because the technology or the framework is old, right? People didn't have a problem with Twitter because it was using Ruby on Rails. Now, I think a lot of engineers might conflate Twitter having downtime issues and the fail whale with the technology because I think ultimately they moved away from Ruby on Rails and maybe that's what they were we're citing, uh, but it's important not to conflate those two things. Uh, So companies may care about stability, they may care about speed, but that does not necessarily mean that they care about the new in-demand framework. If they can get that speed and they can get that stability or whatever else that they're looking for that users actually care about uh, without some new in-demand framework, then they don't actually care about the new in-demand framework. Okay, so with all of that uh, out of the way, the answer that I would give is that you provide value to a company, even if you don't know the in-demand frameworks, by giving them what their users want, or you provide to them the things that help them make more money or save money or save time. That is, at the end of the day, what they care about. Depending on the company, this value may present itself in different forms. So, for example, if you are applying to a team that is having a lot of trouble getting features out the door because there's there's a lot of quality control issues where, you know, they release a new feature and then three things break and so then their their velocity is is really low. You might be able to provide a lot of value by understanding how to add uh, different testing features or uh, processes or things like that that increase the the maintainability and and decrease the likelihood of bugs. Um, Alternatively, maybe it's a company that maybe it's not issues with those things, but they have a lot of other features that they need to get out the door. So maybe they have a big, big product launch that's coming up and they just don't have enough people to handle all of the work that needs to get done in parallel and that needs to be done with a higher level of coordination 
to hit their, their targets. So in those cases, the value that you could provide is being able to hit the ground running, take direction uh, very well, not to require a lot of babysitting, to be able to figure out things on your own, uh, to have the ability to look through uh, existing code bases and to get up to speed quickly because you're able to do a lot of experimentation on your own and you, you know, you're a quick learner. And there's a million other different things that companies could be looking for. And sometimes it might even just be particular expertise with some kind of technology. Now, if that is the case, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need 10 years of experience with, you know, some framework that came out, you know, two months ago. It is entirely possible that you may really want to work for a company that, for whatever reason, is completely migrating away from some older uh, language or some system or something like that for, you know, hopefully a good reason. And they are moving to some uh, framework that is new that you are not particularly proficient in. This does not mean that you can't get uh, a job with them or be hired. What this means, though, is that you do have a little bit of a, you've got some work cut out for you. But one of the things that we are good at as engineers is learning new things. None of us were born knowing React or Node.js or Vue or anything like that. Um, everything that we we wind up doing on the job is something that we had to learn um, oftentimes on our own. And so it just means that you just have to do it again or prove that you are not going to cause more trouble than than help that that you're going to provide. So if you if there's a company that you know that this is this is something that they're into um, or that they're they're dealing with, oftentimes you can know this because they show up at at meetups. There might be a hiring manager or someone that that you meet there. Ask them what they're working on or what the you know projects that they go, got going on, and they might say, "Oh, we're you know moving everything over to to Next.js from you know our whatever WordPress thing is." Even if you don't know Next.js, you can keep that in mind. Just spend a weekend setting up WordPress, setting up you know something that resembles uh, whatever their current system is, and then do your own migration over to Next.js and write down your learnings, create a blog post, create, create a tutorial, and then reach out to them and say, hey, I was so inspired by uh, the types of uh, work that you, you were doing seems like something that's a, a you know a lot of companies are going to be dealing with right now and so i was really interested in the problem and so this is what i did i put together you know a migration i wrote down my learnings and it's all in this blog post and i think you might find uh, some of the things that i ran into interesting let me know if you want to talk about it uh, just that initiative alone along with your ability to learn from it and document and, and kind of quickly become an expert or on your way to your expert will be very valuable to them. So to wrap up this question, how do you provide value to a company if you don't currently know all the in-demand frameworks? Well, the truth is a lot of companies don't need the in-demand frameworks. And even in the case of one where you know that they do, if it's something that you're interested in, do what you can to learn it and document that and then show them how capable you are at, at getting up to speed. That will probably be be enough in many many cases they'll be very interested in you 
And uh, so the last question uh, is, how would you make an employer trust you enough so that they take a chance on hiring you? So you might guess that this question has a lot of the previous two in it. So a lot of what you can do is to really control that first impression of you, right? So if they go to your GitHub or if they go to your portfolio site, your page that you control, you demonstrate that you are capable in solving their problems, saving them time, helping them make more money, that you are an asset. You can help them with whatever they need to achieve. So that is really important. Kind of related to that is is also that you can provide value in the types of things that they're that they're doing. But beyond that, I think it's really important to recognize the flip side of this. Like, what would make an employer, what would make a hiring manager not trust you? So, what are they worried about? Like, why why wouldn't they give you a job? So, sure, it's totally possible that there is some other candidate who is better in some way. But let's just go ahead and ignore that. Let's just say that they they don't necessarily need to fill this position on an end of timeline. You're the only one that applies. Why would they not hire you? What are they actually, uh, what would they be afraid of? And the truth is that hiring someone as an engineering manager, what you're worried about more than anything else is that this person won't be able to do the work. And in particular, that they are going to be more disruptive than they are helpful. So they're not going to be able to close any tickets. So they're not going to be able to be submitting any pull requests or something like that. Instead of that, they're just going to be asking lots of questions, uh, pulling the senior engineers away from whatever, you know, actually important things that they're doing. Or maybe they are, you know, submitting pull requested tickets, but everything, you know, that they that they submit is, you know, buggy or unmaintainable and, again, is more costly than beneficial. Alternatively, um, aside from code, uh, they, they might worry that a candidate is going to be uh, disruptive in another way, right? So that they are going to be abrasive or start arguments or things like that and just overall tank the morale of the of the team. Um, they're going to be worried that adding someone to the team is going to throw off the balance and it's going to make everybody else less productive. So how do you make, to go back to the question, how do you make an employer trust you enough so that they take a chance on hiring you? Well, you pretty much just need to make them very confident that you can come in do the work that they that they need done, do the technical work, that you won't require a lot of babysitting, you won't be distracting the manager a lot with questions or complaints or whatever, that you're you're actually capable of taking direction and doing the work, that you're not going to disrupt the the rest of the team, and that you are going to be generally um a nice person and and ideally fun to to be around. You're going to be adding to the culture. You're not going to be detracting from it. So how do you how do you do this? Well, in some ways, I think people worry that that this is out of their control. But the but the truth is that this can be learned in some ways. Uh, if you are able to be a little bit 
objective and like a little bit critical of your of your behaviors and just thinking a little bit more about how you're affecting other people, there are concrete things you can do to help this. Okay, so for example, if you are new on the job, uh, one thing that is an issue is what I was mentioning before, distracting other engineers. Now, I don't want people to to listen to this and think that you should never ask for for help. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, one of the worst things that you can do is to get stuck on an issue for too long and not let anyone know. And then it's only much, much later does anyone find out that you haven't made any progress and you're completely stuck. And if you'd only asked, someone could have unblocked you very, very quickly. But on the other hand, you don't want to, as as soon as you get to any kind of stumbling block, immediately throw up your hands and ask a question and, and not get anything done until somebody answers. Because one of the things that can really happen um, at, or really annoy uh, engineers is that if you ask a question and they ask you in return, like, what did you try? And the very first thing that you tried is you ask the question, they're not going to be particularly happy with it. So I think one concrete step that you can do is before you ask any particular question, take at least 15 minutes to try whatever you can to solve it. And this part is important, document what you tried and what the responses were. Then when you are asking your question, along with your question, write down everything that you tried and the responses that that you that you got, error messages or or whatever. This is really important because well because of a number of reasons. One, whatever the, you know, that senior engineer who wants to help you, uh, they're not going to be particularly happy if they think that you're not you're not even trying or you're putting in the effort. So it's going to it's going to definitely make them a lot more friendly if they know that you at least put in the effort. Possibly more important to that is that if you just ask the question bare, there isn't really a lot of context for them to to really know why you're trying to do this or um, how it can help. And so as you provide them more clues about what you tried and what you saw in response to that, they're able to see the problem through your eyes a lot more clearly, and it's going to be able to help them give you an answer that is a lot more helpful and useful to you. And also super important is that they may not be super familiar with the the issue that you're dealing with at that time, but your uh, documentation of of your steps and what you're going through will be enough to get them up to speed so that they can solve your your problem even more quickly. So that certainly is one aspect of being able to to behave on a team without distracting others. So so that's one example of a concrete step. And another is more what I was talking about with the culture and being able to be just a a good, friendly, helpful member of a team and. I think that one, I don't know, in some ways it's easier, in some ways maybe it's a little bit more difficult. Just remember that how you say things matters just as much as what you say. And by having um, more empathy, being able to put yourself in other teammates' shoes as you answer questions or ask questions or comment or, um, you know, just banter with other teammates, um, just being more cognizant of of their feelings and how they may respond uh, will go 
will go a long way to just being a, a good member of the of the team. But I think at the core, empathy, uh, which is something that you can develop, will be really uh, serve you well there. So that's it for the three questions that I'm covering this week, uh, having to do with your personal site, your personal GitHub, and what you show there, um, how to provide value to a company even if you don't know all the in-demand frameworks, and how to get an employer to trust you enough so that they take a chance on hiring you. Well, hope this was helpful, and that is it for this week. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. Remote work is here to stay. I can show you how to find and hire a full team of remote senior engineers for a quarter of what you'd pay at local rates. To learn more, check out superstruct.tech slash four phase. That's F-O-U-R dash P-H-A-S-E.